Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. My name's Danae Cannon, and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of four, two of those amazing kiddos have ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the Crash Course. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today we have Yase Godoy, and she is an intuitive eating specialist. She's a nutritionist who focuses on intuitive eating in her practice. And I'm really excited to have her here because she was going to get us up to speed on intuitive eating and especially intuitive eating for ADHDers. Welcome. Thank you. So before we get started, would you mind telling us a little bit about your ADHD story? So I was not diagnosed as a child. I actually only started suspecting I had ADHD because a couple of friends started sharing their symptoms Mm -hmm. and I could relate to every single one of them. And I thought, and and it planted the seed in my mind, like, Ooh, maybe I have ADHD. And then I was like, nah, (laughs) (laughs) been there. (laughs) Yeah. Like "Mm, maybe not. And then I quit my nine to five to focus on my business. And I was struggling to focus, concentrate, I was procrastinating. I had always procrastinated like crazy and things, everything was distracting and I wasn't getting things done. And that's when I started to seriously consider that maybe Maybe. ADHD was impacting me. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I think a lot of people have that story because a lot of us are drawn to entrepreneurship and then that's a place where it's pretty hard for a lot of us to keep up. Yeah, no, definitely. And and also social media, after I talked to those friends, started showing me a lot of ADHD, like these are symptoms, these are struggles, and I could relate to almost all of them. Right. And I thought, ooh, maybe, maybe I have ADHD. And the more I learn about ADHD, the more my entire life makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of ahas when you get diagnosed as an adult. When you look back, you're like, oh yeah, a lot of things make sense through the lens of ADHD. Yeah, no, definitely. So in terms of intuitive eating and ADHD, I know for me, I'm a big fan of intuitive eating, but it's tricky with ADHD. What can you tell us about that? What's hard, what we can do about it? I know many of us, when we first approach intuitive eating, we think of the hunger and fullness diet. Oh yeah. Um, I, I know I certainly did. I did too. Um, and, I, and I wanted to do it right. Like all the other diets, they have these parameters and these rules and you want to do it right. And so you're like, I'm only going to eat when I'm hungry and I'm going to stop when I'm full. Right. But as we know, whenever we have ADHD, we we have a hard time not only recognizing body cues, but acting on them. Exactly. So we have a hard time tuning into hunger and fullness. Yeah. And the medication for a lot of people complicates that additionally. Yeah. So it suppresses appetite. And if we're already struggling with them, then we take the medication and then we don't have an appetite. So we can't really follow intuitive eating in terms of hunger fullness. And then also with ADHD, we are more likely to binge. So I've definitely experienced binge eating before. Um, People who are diagnosed with clinical binge eating, not the disorder, not just binge eating as the behavior. Uh um, 30% of those people have ADHD. Wow. That is a really big number. So so 30% 
90% of people diagnosed with binge eating disorder have ADHD. And I know, I can't remember the statistics, but definitely an increased chance of having bulimia as well with ADHD. Yeah. Yes. Because they're so interrelated that it would probably be quite high as well. Right. And so can you speak to why that's a trickier thing for us and what we can do about it as we pursue intuitive eating? So one, one thing is that we have basically a deficit in dopamine. So our body is looking for other chemicals that can artificially increase dopamine. And one of those chemicals is food and food that's high in fat, salt, and sugar. So delicious food. (laughs) Right. And so, so we're naturally may turn to food because we're low in dopamine. So that may be one reason. And then because we can experience emotional dysregulation, we Mm -hmm. may be turning to food also to comfort or calm ourselves or basically to regulate our emotions. And then the other thing that's really common is that we use food as stimulation. And it's not bad. It's, It's not bad to use food as stimulation, but it can be a problem and can become a problem if it's our only source of stimulation. I really think that's an interesting point. And for me, a relatively new point being somebody who is already interested in intuitive eating and trying to incorporate that, recognizing that like we're human and that unlike a diet mentality, there are times you're going to eat for comfort. There's times you're going to eat for stimulation. And how do you be compassionate with yourself about eating for reasons other than hunger? And one other thing is practical hunger. Mm. And I don't know if it's a new concept or if it's just not as talked about since when you think about intuitive eating, you think hunger, you think fullness, but essentially means that you're eating, but you're not physically hungry. Okay. You're essentially eating to prevent from getting overly hungry and maybe end up binging. And so it's important to recognize that there's practical hunger and that it's okay to eat because of practical hunger, because you have a busy schedule and you're going to be six or seven hours before you get a chance to eat. I wish I had known that earlier because for me that was a really hard thing to wrap my mind around I I was always well I shouldn't be eating I'm not hungry and so even if I was going to have a really busy day and not have a lot of pause and so that undermined my taking care of myself yeah which is so important because eating is part of taking care of yourself right and one other thing that seems counterintuitive to intuitive eating is scheduling times to eat if you tend to get hyper focused or you have time blindness like i do you may need to set reminders or or to have someone to keep you accountable to help. Right. And so when you schedule, when you schedule that time to eat and it's that time and you're not hungry, you go ahead and eat what you were planning to eat anyhow, or how do you approach that? Yes. Yes, you would, because your hunger signals sometimes can be suppressed by medication, also by ADHD. And also your hunger signals may present differently than like rumbling in your tummy. Uh Sometimes by the time you realize that you're hungry, you're lightheaded, you're fatigued, your energy's low, you're grouchy, you're irritable. And so you don't want to wait till you get to that point. Plus, if you wait to eat until you're hungry, it may be after the meds wear off at the end of the day, you may be overly hungry or you may tend to overeat or even binge. Definitely. Yeah. So this is great because I do think this is... um 
a struggle for a lot of ADHDers who approach intuitive eating is that there are some ways we kind of have to adapt it for our brains. So what are some ways that we can work with our brains while we're pursuing intuitive eating? So like we said, practical hunger, of course. The other thing is making sure that you're eating before your meds or with your meds and protein is super, super important for us because they are protein provides the building blocks for neurotransmitters, including dopamine. And so we want to make sure we're eating enough protein. Are we trying to get it at a certain time of the day? Do you have any recommendations on how to get enough protein for our brains? Um, so essentially you would want to focus each meal around protein, mm-hmm. each major meal like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's usually enough, very, very helpful. There are other sources of uh, protein that are very easy to get that right. you can add a protein shake to your meal and that will help you get enough, enough protein throughout the day. So just essentially prioritizing protein protein, not obsessing over like counting protein grams or eating eating certain protein. (laughs) You're giving me flashbacks. No, I get it. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. But if you're prioritizing protein and you're looking at your plate and saying, oh, okay, well for breakfast, I tend to have, I don't know, a waffle. Well, what if you have a waffle with, I don't know, a side of cottage cheese or a protein shake or Mm -hmm. some milk or some nut butter or um, because we have ADHD meal prepping is something that's really hard because it takes organization and we also need to know how to prioritize and it can take a long time to meal prep in the traditional sense so you could skip the traditional meal prep and buy foods that already come prepped or partially prepped so some of the go-tos would be like chicken that's already grilled sometimes it's in the frozen food section you can find things like pulled pork tuna packets rotisserie chicken right so there's frozen edamame fresh edamame they have it dry with seasoning. There's yogurt for people who are vegetarians. There's protein mm-hmm. bars, ready to drink protein shake. Uh, they even sell eggs that are already hard boiled. I've noticed that. I could do that. That's one thing too, I think when you have ADHD and if you're wanting to work on nutrition, eating more regularly, you're going to pay your ADHD tax and throwing away food you didn't prepare, or you're going to spend it on maybe some easier ways to get food in you. And it's nothing wrong with spending money on food that makes that's already prepared that makes your life easier if you're going to be able to use it and uh, nourish yourself versus I should be preparing all this food and then you still end up throwing it away. I think sometimes we have to accept that this is going to make life easier and possible for me in terms of food. Yes, absolutely. I mean, now we have like pre-cut veggies and fruits. One of my go-tos is frozen veggies and fruits too. Salad kit, rice that you can steam in the microwave. It comes sometimes frozen and sometimes in little like cups. Granola bars are also a great one. Yeah. So basically try to find easy ways to get in. It sounds like both carb and protein. If you can get those paired together, is that kind of the the winning combo? Um, Carbon protein or carbon fat, because that will have staying power. Okay. So, so like a a slice of bread with some peanut butter or some almond butter like that, that will have some staying power. Another thing that we haven't talked about is full out prepped meals. So there are meal prep companies across the nation and there are even local ones popping up where you can get like a chicken parmesan in a container that's already prepped that you can freeze and they've become a lot more economical than when they first started. And so that's another option. Yeah. That's a great idea. A lot of the people I work with, like food's just the bugaboo. It's just so much thinking, planning, tough, and anything that can make that easier is, is a big help. Definitely. Those are great ideas for ways to 
tackle food and tackle the planning and, and all of that with food? It's a practice. It's a practice. It's essentially self-care right. through eating. I like that because I do, that's such a different mentality than, than the mentality we all grow up with, which is like you have to tame this, your hunger, your body, all of it. And just something that comes from a much more nurturing place is awesome. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And we're taught that we can't trust ourselves. And we're taught that we also can't trust our hunger fullness or even making food choices. Exactly. I agree 100%. And then I do think ADHDers too have another layer of not really trusting ourselves. And then in our culture, like you're saying as well, there's this huge, don't trust your hunger, look to somebody else, look to some rules to rein you in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then we further lose trust in ourselves whenever we get really hungry and we overeat or we binge eat. And then that's really disheartening because when you have ADHD, there's already things you're failing at. This is just one more thing. Right. And there can be a lot of shame in that. And a lot of people don't make any connection between ADHD and eating. And there's actually a ton of connection on why ADHD makes it tougher, makes eating in general tougher. I don't think we talked about the emotional regulation piece and and kind of food is comfortable and food is a regulator. What are your thoughts about that? We both know that emotional <laughs> dysregulation happens in people with ADHD. And so we may turn to food to comfort ourselves or calm ourselves or essentially regulate our emotions. And I, I mean, it's okay to turn to food as to regulate emotions, so long as it's not the only way you regulate your emotions. That is a hard thing for people to wrap their minds around. Yeah. So it's okay to eat for emotional reasons, so long as it's not the only way that you're regulating your emotions. Right. Right. And just recognizing there are times when you're going to eat, you're going to stress eat, right? You're going to emotionally eat. I have a whole episode about sensory strategies. And sometimes we eat to calm ourselves in a sensory standpoint. That's a human experience and not uniquely us. Yes. Emotional eating is very common, very normal, and it's okay. I mean, we eat for, because we may, because we're celebrating something, because we're happy, because it brings us memories, you know, apple pie that our mother made us, or it's okay. It's not anything. It's very taboo in diet culture. (laughs) It's so taboo. Yeah, no, it's definitely complicated. And when I say, so long as emotional eating or eating isn't the only way you regulate your emotions, you want to make sure that you're taking care of your basic needs, things like sleep um, and rest and having enough activities outside your life that bring you joy. That's very helpful. Having an emotional support system, whether that's a therapist, friends, family, your husband, outlet for your emotions that aren't food are also really important. Right. So that is, and I think that's hard for so many of us putting ourselves on that priority list, but it does, I, I, it does make a big impact on our emotional health, our emotional wellness. Yeah. And, and it makes a huge difference in terms of when we do turn to, to food for emotion, for emotional comfort, or like you said, to, to calm you. Right. One other way we use food as is stimulation. Um, so it's also not bad to eat for stimulation, 
but it becomes a problem when it's our only source of stimulation. But there are other things that we can use for stimulation, like fidgeting toys. I chew a lot of gum for stimulation or drink right. carbonated drinks or flavored tea. That's really helpful. And I know there's, I haven't tried it, but um, chewable jewelry. And I oh, think that's yeah. more common for kids. Yeah, but you can, it, they actually have some that's um, passable, passable for adults. I mean, you know, may not be the highest fashion, but it's not going to be like a big neon gummy necklace. So, (laughs) right. So, so yeah, that's a great point to make that stimulation. Absolutely. A lot of us turn to food when we're bored or just need something to kind of kick our brain into gear because we do sometimes dip down and getting stimulation helps us come back up, be able to focus, be able to attend to what we're doing. Yes. And it's very helpful. It gets that energy out. Uh, another good source of stimulation is music. Definitely nice to listen to to music and it, it, you know, it helps stimulate us. Right. And what about like movement in terms of intuitive eating? Is there kind of an intuitive eating philosophy on movement? Is it kind of its own deal? And so intuitive eating essentially says do movement that you find enjoyable. Because then you're more likely to do it. And with ADHD, well, not just people with ADHD, but movement helps uh, our brain just work better. Absolutely. It's so good for us to get movement. We Most of us don't get enough movement. And it can be a walk. It can be a formal workout. It can be just dancing in your living room to your favorite song. Like all of it is movement and it's really, really helpful. And another source of stimulation and also good for for your health and your overall wellness. Right. I totally agree. It's a great sensory input that regulates you as well, but definitely do the things that you love to do. Don't run. If you don't like running, I don't like running. Do the things that bring you joy. Right. (laughs) I I got an injury from running. Oh, I know. I know. I'm not built for that. I don't think. So in terms of intuitive eating, what's the myths, the misinformation floating out there that you might want to alert us to and correct? There are two common myths that I can think of right right off. One is that you can use intuitive eating to lose weight. Ooh, that's, I, you know what? I think it's been marketed that way. Yeah. And so it's not really intuitive eating if your goal is to lose weight. Right. And when you tangle the two, when, when you're focused on losing weight, you can't be fully immersed or committed to intuitive eating, it actually interferes. And so, so it's definitely not a weight loss diet. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one of the common myths. And that could be scary for people to let go of, of saying like, I'm going to try this out and I might gain weight. It's this losing of control that I think can be really tough. Yeah, no, it, it is. And And like we talked about earlier, we're taught that we can't trust ourselves. And so if we're gaining weight with intuitive eating, then we're doing it wrong. At least that's, that's how I felt when I first started. Yeah. So what's your advice for people that maybe even are, maybe they're trying it and they are gaining weight and they're discouraged or they're struggling with it. Any thoughts for them? I would suggest exploring why it is that someone wants to lose weight because being a certain weight doesn't really make one healthier. Even if people are at a higher weight, they can be very healthy. And so we live in a very, in a culture that there's a lot of stigma around weight and there, yes. we're fat phobic. Like Absolutely. we're afraid of being fat. It's, and so just being aware of 
how we are influenced to think about our weight and other people's weight too, because it's sometimes we're not just criticizing ourselves, we're criticizing other people. Yeah. I, I think it's also important to know that your body wants to be a set weight. So when you eat intuitively, you may gain weight or you might not. So it depends if you were very restricted, a very restricted eater, eating very little or restricting cutting out food, you may gain weight because you're fighting your body's natural inclination to eat. Right. And so if you are binge eating or overeating because you can't stand to be on the diet, you may lose weight because once you regulate sort of that, then then you may lose weight or your your weight may be the same, but we have a natural set point weight. We mess with it. We may end up heavier than that natural set point weight, or we may end up doing having to do really extreme things to maintain a lower weight. And so right. And so do you find that people might bounce around for a while and then just kind of plateau at their set point or their, I don't know if set point's the right way to say it, but they're set. Yeah, it is. Do people tend to go up and down and then settle out? Yeah, it can happen. So it can happen many different ways and it just depends on the person and also how committed they are to intuitive eating because sometimes it happened to me too. I was like, I'm going to eat intuitively because I don't want to count calories or macros <laughs> anymore and I'm going to do it. And I started eating intuitively and I started gaining weight because yep. I was one of those restrictors that right. micromanaged every morsel of food and counted every calorie that went into my body. Yeah. And I gained weight and I freaked out and I went right back to dieting. And that would be my experience too. I had a lot of starts and stops with intuitive eating. It was not smooth sailing at all. Yeah. And so, so I think it's to be expected and with intuitive eating, it's not like, it's hard not to think about like falling off the wagon or doing it wrong, right. but you really can't do it wrong because it's, you're relying on your own body cues, your own knowledge about yourself, your own rational thoughts about yourself and not something external, which never works. Right. In the long and, term. and for people, I can say from to everyone from me, if for those who, who've had some bumps or those who think I could never do this and, and be okay doing this, if I can do it, and have peace with food and peace with my body, anyone can, because I had a very, very bumpy history with all of it. And intuitive eating was the only thing that just really felt right, but it didn't feel right, right away. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I dieted for 10 years and intuitive eating has been, it just liberated my mind, my time. And then the less preoccupied you are with food, the less preoccupied you are with your weight in your body. And so that that helps because it's all related. Usually you're trying to control your food because you're trying to control your body and control your weight. Right. And so when you when you let go of a little bit of that control, you end up having more control. Because when you're controlling things too much, your brain responds by by lashing back out by cravings and oh it's so true it's so true when I think of like the most restricted I was like I could think about a certain kind of food and just be consumed with wanting to eat it and now that kind of food doesn't even sound appealing sometimes or a lot of the times like it would just put it the the power of anything when it's moralized when it's like oh this is a great food or it just becomes really out of scale with reality. Yeah, it does. Do you find that some of the foods that you ate, you don't even like, you just thought you wanted to eat them? Absolutely. I was it for, you know, and I think I talked to you before we started, there was a time when I was super restricted and those foods, I mean, 
nothing could, I mean, I could like salivate just thinking about them. Now they almost like kind of turn my stomach, not all of them, but like some of the things that were like, Oh, that would be amazing. I don't even really like it that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're amazing. Usually when there's some, something called habituation where the more you are exposed to something, the less dire, it's kind of like when you're a kid and your parents, they don't do that or don't look like don't look even here now as adults don't look what do we do look <laughs> what well, are we I've not seen it. so I've seen it with my my four kids because like you know you make lots of parenting mistakes no matter what but with four kids you make a lot of them the way I started out with my older kids was much more like oh you've got to eat healthy eat healthy eat healthy by the time my son my youngest came along I was just tired and in a different place, a different place with how I approach food. He, when I, so he is probably the most intuitive, the, the biggest intuitive eater out of everyone, just because of the way things happen in our family. And he will say, Oh, that's too sweet. Or, Oh, I've had enough. And just watching him with food is really enlightening because with my older ones, you know, they're kind of, Oh, should I, shouldn't I eat this thing? Now I never talked about body size, but I was obsessed about healthy, not healthy. And, and that was not ultimately good for them. You know, if I had a redo on that, I would want to approach that differently, but we're all working through it together. I think you go back to that kid. If you ever had of it, some of us as kids don't ever have that ease with food. Yeah. So that's another myth is that you can't learn to eat intuitively. But we're all born with the ability to eat intuitively. Society, our upbringing, the things we're told, like we lose that trust in ourselves. Definitely. And that's really encouraging to hear because I think sometimes people think, oh man, like how could I ever get back to that? And it's possible, right? Yeah. This is so helpful. I think there's tons of information for people to use and soak in. I'm sure people will want to find you. Where can they find you? So I am most active on Instagram at yesed.godoy. So they can check out your Instagram for just intuitive eating tips and things you have going on. Yes, absolutely. I do have a coaching program that I am launching and it's essentially teaching people how to eat intuitively with coaching support. Um, So with my guidance, just to help people get out of that diet mentality, because it's a whole lot easier to eat intuitively when you have support versus when you're trying to figure it out yourself and you're less likely to be pulled off course and back into diets when you have, when you immerse yourself in other people who are not engaged in dieting. And it's so hard because in our society, everything is about how we look and what we eat. I could, yeah, I wish I had found something like that. It would have saved me some years, (laughs) some years in figuring this out. And it is like getting that counter diet culture message is, is hard. It's hard to find like-minded people with it. Yeah. Sometimes you're the only one in your like real life circle. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, for educating us. I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say about intuitive eating and ADHD. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I I really enjoyed our chat. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of ADHD Crash Course. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great week.